Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Today on Around the Coin, I'm interviewing Phil Ingram, the CEO of Leprechaun. Leprechaun's core belief is that gaming will be the first killer on-ramp to general consumer adoption of blockchain technology. Leprechaun is building a suite of technology solutions to facilitate mainstream gamer adoption of blockchain technology, starting with the gas-free sidechain Leprechain. Uh, Phil is from Hong Kong. We talked about the changes of the gaming industry over time, the impact that Facebook and Meta have had on the gaming industry, the impact that blockchain has had so far in the play to earn category. Phil is very opinionated about the impact that blockchain has have and the impact that it can have in the future. Uh, we talked about at the end of the show, Hong Kong, what's unique about Hong Kong, what makes Hong Kong, Hong Kong. And Phil, having lived there for quite a long time, uh, taught me a thing or two. So very much enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do as well. I bring you Phil Ingram. All right, Phil, we're live. I'm excited to chat with you. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. A little early in the morning for me, but very happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. And like we were talking about pre-show a few minutes ago, you are in Hong Kong, uh, which I, I I love that because you get to see a different part of the world. I'm in uh, yeah. Portland, Oregon. Well, fans fans do look uh, the same no matter where you go. Yeah, I think they spin <laughs> as well. <laughs> <laughs> so it spins backwards. Um, I love what you're working on too. Why don't we kick it off there? So you started this this company, this project called uh, Leprechaun. Um, walk me through what the impetus for the, the company was, what, what, why did you start it? What are you attempting to, to do in the world? Um, uh, that's yes. Thank you. We, there's a bunch of us, uh, some of us from, uh, the gaming world, some of us from, um, the crypto world and, and some other areas. Funnily enough, I'm originally from the travel industry. That's a long story. Um, but we, we're looking at, um, sort of the, the uptake of blockchain in people's lives. I don't necessarily mean people specifically using DeFi services, but just situations where blockchain is integrated into a solution. And, 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 and we had the realization that gaming, uh, and by that I mean video games, should be uh, the killer on-ramp or the first killer on-ramp for blockchain adoption, um, but not possibly in the way that is happening right now, which is more the sort of blockchain industry using gaming to sell tokens, but actual video game in, uh, developers um, uh, using blockchain in games. Uh, because you know, this, this shift from the publisher-owned economy to the sort of player-owned economy. Uh, a, a good example would be uh, World of Warcraft, um, which I have played um, uh, probably more hours than I'm allowed to publicly admit in my younger in my younger days. Um, but you know, <clears throat> if you would, you can imagine that World of Warcraft is almost the perfect analogy for what blockchain does. Um, although it's obviously database and publisher owned, uh, and very famous cases of people losing their accounts if they did something naughty, like pay someone to level up for them. But you know, it has it has an inventory or wallet. It has. Um, in-game to an in-game uh, money system tokens it has um <clears throat> a uh, special items and and in sort of power-ups and 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 you know uh, that you can find which relate to nfts although it gets complicated because obviously there's more than one type of 
event and um, uh, so it's not just your simple nft you need a more advanced system and then finally you have things like the auction houses in the game marketplace marketplaces so all those sort of core elements that we've come to know in crypto exist but we're sort of imagining well you know the way world of warcraft does it um it's sort of database and c plus plus driven and 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 the player doesn't really own anything but if blockchain were to sort of seep its way in there then you'd have this very subtle shift that you know the 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 uh, items that players work really it is 6 30 in the morning give me a second to warm up um uh, the the items that people um you know work so hard for in game you could spend three hours in epic battles to get that one piece of armor <clears throat> in the player-owned economy or the player-first economy you can't take that away the idea of marketplaces expands when people actually control those assets and more importantly um, the way you know you can imagine how guilds can form when it's based around a much more immersive economy and so <clears throat> the original thinking behind leprechaun was if video games incorporated blockchain they would be so much better in the same way that unreal 5 for example elevates the v the visual immersion in a game blockchain enables um you to um <clears throat> dramatically extend the sort of economic immersion in a game um and and so the original thinking behind leprechaun was what how could we believe that to be a fact how can we start that process off knowing that that's not was something that wasn't going to happen in sort of five days at that time when leprechaun was first sort of announced to the world which would be um around the late summer of 2020 um and we started fundraising august 2020 so uh, you know uh, the block the phrase blockchain games didn't even exist um so you know we were, it was still all about DeFi platforms etc so but that's what leprechaun's originally about and so the mission that we're set out on where and we've been tokenized live since uh march last year so we're not uh, in crypto terms you could argue we're not really a startup um but uh everything we're doing with some stops and starts and and and, and a pivot somewhere in the middle has been about that end goal because we think that blockchain is completely trans will completely transform many many things but specifically games because that's what we love um but you know it's going to be quite a long road to actually get to where it happens in a way in which the blockchain is the silent partner because i think the real key to blockchain adoption is when you don't actually talk about blockchain anymore you don't Evernote people a lot of people use Evernote and they don't use it because it uses SQL Lite as its database they use it because it's a good note-taking app you know I think one of the issues with blockchain is it's still all about the technology whereas it should be about the consumer solutions and I think we still haven't we've still got a long way to go to make in, in that transition but the short answer to your question is we love games we love blockchain and we want to see how blockchain can make games better and that's what Leprechaun's trying to do step by step um, in its own way. Mm. Mm. And do you think of it as, uh, right now, I, I, my sense of it, of the industry of gaming and tell me how this is different from the way it really is, but there's a few very large, uh, makers, gaming companies, Activision, um, yeah, you could probably Ubisoft, Ubisoft, Square Enix, right. <clears throat> and these guys, they, they are, it tends to be consolidated gaming because, uh, the, 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 the games that win tend to be very complex and very hard to make. You know, it's not, it's not easy to make games. It's very hard. It's easy to spin up a website. It's easy to spin up a simple app, but those tend to not get traction. And there's, because gaming is inherently, uh, peer to peer, most games are most of the big ones you're playing against other human beings that there's network effects and the network effects like similar to a marketplace consolidate people together on one platform so you have world of warcraft you have uh the other games that activision will make um what's the, what's the one game uh that's like what's the number one game it's not world of Warcraft. Fortnite. i'm not a big gamer but <laughs> fortnite yeah it's like god how many people use yeah, by the way, i'm gonna confess i have never played <clears throat> but <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh well it's huge and it just it, it seems to me like do you feel the future because of new technology and blockchain will change that 
uh, distribution of game makers. So more, more independent, smaller companies will be able to make really competitive games in some way. Or do you view this as more like blockchain will just be the behind the scenes technology that these big companies use to further their, their market share? Um, that is a really good question. I need to unpack that because I can come at it from a couple of angles. Um, I think obviously the particular games you're describing are what we call the AAA. Um, and like Hollywood blockbusters, the more, the more intense, <clears throat> the more expensive the production, the narrower the field is going to become of people that can actually make it. So I don't think that's ever going to change. Um, but the gaming industry is larger. Um, sorry, I stood off the screen there. I did exactly. Um, the gaming, the gaming industry is, is more than just the, uh, the AAA games. Um, you know, you have your mid core, the, the sort of, uh, uh, next step, uh, you know, the best way of describing that be if you've got the, the 600, if you've got the, the, the $80 games on, on your PlayStation, which are the AAA, then you've got the $20 games on your PlayStation, which are the mid core. Um, and then obviously you have things like hyper casual, et cetera, stuff for your phone. Um, obviously the less intense the gaming experience. So gaming isn't just the triple A's you know, the 100 hours of gameplay, immersive storyline, famous actors doing the voiceovers, etc. The gaming industry is much larger than that. Um, so as you get down in complexity and move from uh, uh, blockbuster to to um, hypercasual along that sort of progression line, then it opens up more and more. Um, <clears throat> and I don't think that will change because if you're talking about a game like Horizon Forbidden West, which I believe cost somewhere north of 10 million us dollars to make um the most recently just on the playstation 5 that isn't suddenly going to become easier to make that um you know uh, the gold standard now for that level of game is unreal engine 5 which has just been made publicly available and if you're going to produce something at that level that's not suddenly going to change in terms of who makes the games, now that could be subject to change because here we have a really interesting combination of market forces. Um, there's been some events lately. Uh, uh, for example, a few months ago, Steam very publicly kicked off some 25,000 titles from the Steam platform. And it did this um, uh, because they were, you know, basically games from our sector of the industry that were you know getting people to buy tokens or buy nfts and the simplest way of explaining why steam did this would be that publicly at least steam would prefer the sec not to be on the phone going why are you promoting the sale of unlicensed securities um uh, uh, although, you know, in behind the scenes, all the AAA game developers are looking at blockchain. They understand how this could change things around, but they have to tread carefully. So that's from the company side. From the consumer side, we had two famous examples, Ubisoft and Square Enix, uh, two very large game companies. They actually put their toe out and said, well, we're looking at how we can build things like NFTs into games, you know. Um, and vast numbers of gamers in their communities rose up and said no can't do that none of this ponzi scheme stuff please um now interestingly enough all of these things whether it be supplier driven or demand driven all stem from the same thing this is entirely the blockchain industry's fault because when blockchain companies get oh hang on a minute games what a good way to sell tokens and nfts so when when a you know, I could put a set of scrubs on. It doesn't make me a doctor. And the same way the blockchain company, um, uh, you know, dressing up as a gaming company, but it's actually intent is simply to sell the first 10,000 player characters as NFTs or, or we're doing our new open world RPG and we're minting 10 million tokens, you know? That doesn't suddenly make in game companies and the entire, you know, and that then translated in things like play to earn, you know? You know, if you're going to convince someone like me, because I'm an avid gamer, I've just finished Horizon Forbidden West on my PlayStation 5. Um, and, uh, you know, we've invested most of my weekends for the past couple of months doing it. It's how I decompress from work. You know, you think I'm going to change that really immersive story experience and button mash in Axie Infinity to play to earn? Really? Um, you know, but this, so the blockchain industry 
because it's used entirely because it's thinking like blockchain companies you know and they come up with phrases like play to earn and you can earn a living playing games well yeah we already do that it's called esports but for people your games are supposed to be fun the reason you buy a game is not so you can earn money it's so you can actually get away from your shitty life for the past week um this the, you know so when the blockchain industry does this the gaming industry goes whoa hang on a minute i don't want anything to do with this you know so this uh, the entire the the primary reason why um uh, because if you keep making games being about financial instruments if you keep trying you know this is th this is where this ridiculous phrase has come back called game fi you know decentralized finance makes sense that's what that is an application stack built on the basic premise of blockchain and all blockchain really promises is immutability that's it you can't you can't argue with the contents that's that's basically it um everything else is an application stack on top so you have this wonderful application stack for DeFi, which i although it's extremely hard to use and clearly no one from marketing was ever involved because if anyone ever thought about the customer experience we wouldn't have invented metamask but um but you know if if you know but the game the game stack on top of blockchain you don't take DeFi and drag it across and call it GameFi. Because that implies, for example, my World of Warcraft reference again, that you're playing World of Warcraft, you kill this monster, you click on its body, take, try, uh, select all its the items on its carcass, you want to transfer them to your inventory, click go, and MetaMask pops up and goes, that'll be $10, please, and come back in 10 minutes. That's not, that's not usable game UX. Gaming is about the enjoyment, the user experience. It's not about financial independence or sovereignty, which is what DeFi is about. Now, I do Sorry, feel that I, I wax lyrical on this subject. You touched that. You touched the. Touch the well, let's talk about. Yeah, good, good, good. Uh, so, in gaming, though, there there is often the. This is way prior to blockchain. It predates this. Where there's games, there's always a, there seems to be uh, a quantitative score. Like you're at you're at yes. level five right uh yes. dwarf or you've had this many coins and very true that those those numbers those levels for the most part are are kept within the ecosystem of the game yes. and the purpose of those are really to just uh give you a sense of progress or accumulation of, of value uh make you feel like you're building something they they do i i think of when i think of the word gamify i think of there's a quantitative assessment of progress and that is the thing that games do really, really well yes. that end up keeping people for long periods of time. And then there is the idea that you can buy things in games using this in-game in currency that's already been developed. Uh, then there's also, I think, a widely accepted idea that you can buy into a game so you can use real-world dollars to purchase some mm -hmm. item. Uh then then people can trade so where where do you feel like the rub is do you um, feel like it's um a branding thing only or uh, i think um uh, uh everything you've just said said more eloquently than i did um at the beginning uh, when we started off about you know what it is we believe get blockchain can do for games you've actually done i'm sealing everything you, i'm going to use what you said first because you know i was still doing my 6 30 in the morning uh, waking up thing and it was getting the words out but you just said it very eloquently everything about the way people experience the progression they make in games the protection of that information is is an argument for blockchain you know if if your level is stored in that way then a company's servers uh, uh, you know can't be hacked or or lost or damaged such that that such that information is lost the amount of in-game currency or platform or ecosystem money that you have earned through play cannot be taken away from you you've just described how block one of the ways in which blockchain can make games better perfectly but the the difference is on one way i suppose i'd put the difference is the subtlety you know at the end of the day if you if 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 you go around saying uh talking about the you know earning money you want to get the irs to look at something <laughs> just start just talk about start talking about earning money there's a difference yeah. you know there's a difference between that and basically the uh, saying that no matter what happens no one can say you don't own 
the things that you want in a game. A lot of it is in phraseology, um, you know, uh, because te technically, you know, Fortnite, we used the example of Fortnite before, you know, Fortnite has a massive industry around it involving things like skins and uh, et cetera, you know, um, uh, uh, very blockchainable. But, you know, we, we, we need to be careful that we don't start turning this into something where everyone, every, where everyone's income tax return has a line on it saying, how much did you earn in Fortnite? Um, it, but let me, let me pause you there though. Let, let me, let me just throw, just throw a, a parallel analogy out to see if it, it, it resonates with you. So I, I feel Instagram in the, in the early days, uh, had no projection of monetization. Same with Quora. Yeah. And these companies allowed people to post pictures or write articles, at, not even enticing them for future potential revenue opportunities, just purely for the act of posting, sharing, uh, and social benefits of seeing what other people have to share and offer. They did offer likes. They do offer uh, uh, quantitative measurements of progress with yeah. followers and, sh and likes. But they're not claiming that this is a platform for you to make money. That has changed to a large degree when you can advertise on the platform and they pay out a rev share to influencers. Uh, YouTube does this especially well. well more importantly, more importantly, actually, it's the third party method um, where uh, Instagrammers basically say nice things about stuff because outside of the platform, right. someone's paid them a lot of money to do so. Over $100 billion worth of crypto has been lost or stolen, specifically because of poor key management, scams, and hackers. Forget not your keys, not your crypto. Software and hardware wallets have both the same vulnerability, that a single private key can be lost, hacked, or simply just misplaced. My new sponsor, the Zengo Crypto Wallet, is a total game changer, bringing wallet security to a whole new level. You have to check out Zengo, an on-chain crypto wallet with no private key vulnerability, leveraging advanced cryptography called MPC, which has, just until now, only been available to multi-billion dollar institutions. So Zengo, most secure Web3 wallet, is the best place to keep your crypto, NFTs, and assets secured. It's also fully recoverable using their biometric recovery system, and it's also just beautiful. Get started at Zengo.com and use code ATC to get $20 back on your first purchase of $200 or more. That's Zengo.com, code ATC for $20 back on your purchase of $200 or more. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And in, in both cases, the, the, the thing that people were doing in the first place, whether it was writing or sharing pictures or gaming, it's the thing that people are attracted to. And then to me, it seems like, well, we're going to make this a sustainable occupation. We're going to make this so you can keep doing what you love and you can make money on top of it, meaning that you don't have to go and do your city job on the side. Is there a trap there? Is there something that <clears throat> I don't, can I, um, I don't think, um, uh, I think the, this new, I was looking up some figures just to make sure I was up to date. It's very difficult to pull accurate figures, but I saw some in the region that, that by, uh, 2025, the play to earn this sort of blockchain gaming segment. And let's be very, very clear, an entirely new category has been bought <coughs> excuse me um i won't deny that and um you know i'm, I'm seeing figures as worth somewhere around 40 billion dollars by sort of 2025 i looked that up last night but again i don't trust half the statistics um that are out there um unless it comes from something like mckinsey where it was researched and verified etc um 
there's no doubt there's this huge category that's that's created um but i think this is where you need to have maybe uh, we need to have more sort of global um awareness where play to uh you know uh there there is one area where there's already um in uh, a sort of income derived from playing games and we have this concept called esports uh you know uh, and there are people playing in tournaments um uh around the world um uh you know uh and earning quite money and becoming big stars um you know uh competing everything from Fortnite to pokemon go i mean if there's a game where people can compete for the highest score someone's doing it as an esports event but most of the plate i don't have accurate statistics on this but uh, anecdotally most of this sort of plate earn category where it's making a difference is in much poorer countries so um mm. uh, uh for example there are entire villages in the philippines where the village is dev- everyone's playing axie infinity um now to make money yes to drag a village out of poverty um so that and that's uh, that's where um the sort of money that you can earn is not going to get someone to give up their city job um, so and who's, who, where, where does that money come from? So say this village is, is playing Axiom Infinity. They're supposedly they're taking the money that they're earning in the game and they're cashing it out in their, uh, Filipino dollars that they can then use to buy food. Where does the money, where does the money originate? Who's putting money into the system? Um, I'm, it, this is not this is not a, an area which I've uh, uh, researched extensively, sure. so I I'm not going to proffer that my understanding. But there are there basically it's there there like any it, to set up infrastructure like this will always be an investment opportunity for a particular strata. So I think you know there's money going in setting up setting up villages um, uh, uh, yeah. or setting up groups of people to do this. And then, you know, it's, I suppose, a bit like borrowing some money to buy a computer and then basically yeah. it worked out. I mean, the answer could just be investors, right? Investors. Yeah, well, I, I mean, the, the answer is I think there's an investment yeah. class within this that sees the opportunity. Now, um, I, I think we have to separate um, sort of discussion about different ways of categorizing the sort of explosion of games and blockchain from sort of any sort of socioeconomic commentary. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if the, any, anyone ever comes up a way in which people in less fortunate circumstances can improve their lot, that is a good thing. Only the most cynical could say that's not a good thing. My, my point of this is this, why I'm separating is this is, is what I can sort of consider video gaming, what I can sort of primary motivation behind playing a video games for the, for the multi-billion dollar market that sits out there because there's this number of people playing play to earn there's this number of people playing video games worldwide um that the sort of there's the motivation for the majority of the, the industry should still is still and always will be about fun it is not your day job it is what you do to get around get over your day job and get away from it mm-hmm. um, but nevertheless we have this entirely new category but i think Play to earn is one of those dangerous phrases that can pollute the conversation for people like us who are look, talking about making video games better, in, in improving sort of economic immersion, immersion in games, changing in-game economies, um, you know, irrefutability of ownership of the the items that you uh, the, the 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 items and assets that you win through your labors in the game. I think it's very different from this sort of play to earn category, which does still sort of drive the image of button mashing, um, you know, um, all, all, all day and night to sort of earn crypto. And I think we, whilst there is an absolute industry that's now come about the play to earn industry, um, it can't be confused with the mainstream video game. It, boy, it, it just, it, what, it, the way you've outlined it to me feels like a, uh, a zero sum transfer of wealth between people who are investing in the future potential earnings of a, of a gaming project and people who just purely want to earn money to play a game. I mean, unless there's real value derived and people are willing to actually pay for a game purely for the entertainment value, then you're not adding any value. And it's just a matter of time before that energy fizzles out. Do, do, you, do you feel like that's a uh, no, I, I, scenario? I, um, in my zeal to separate those two things. Yes. There's always a, I mean, 
I think you have to look at it. Uh, why do, uh, you know, so if I'm, if I'm playing, I'm more, I often go back to World of Warcraft because it's so easy to make the analogies and it's easy to understand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, uh, if, if, you know, if I, if I play World of Warcraft and I, you know, I end up with duplicates of legendary items, I can go to the auction house and I can basically convert those things into money. Um, you know, the primary, I mean, at its simplest, the difference is that in, in, in the blockchain version, no one can take my, uh, my tokens away. No one can take my assets away in the, the publisher first version. You know, if some transgression, in fact, in the height of World of Warcraft, it became big news. You'd see on GameSpot and IGN, you know, oh, someone else had their account shut down for alleged infractions of page 962 of a thoroughly obtuse, you know, um, uh, a, a user agreement made between you and Zen and, 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 uh, God, I can't remember the name of the publisher, World of Warcraft now. Brains gone to Blizzard. Oh, um, I w- oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, so to me, that subtle shift, I mean, you know, building an economy around, uh, games, you know, it's still part of the game. I think, um, there is, uh, a company we're working with called Hayabusa and, uh, Alan Cruz, the, uh, CEO there is ex, uh, Ubisoft and he's building a game called Towers Gate. It is a Unreal 5 engine based city survival game where you're not the protagonist but you're thrown in this huge world and you have to survive. And the entire economic engine um, is going to be built using blockchain. So that, for example, it, you know, um, uh, uh, in, in the mobile, it's a transmedia enterprise. So like in the mobile version, you know, you can, um, you can tr- trade all your commodities, et cetera. So you can play the game basically with a gun trying to stay alive. Or you can basically, basically become an, uh, become an, a, a titan of industry. Um, uh, and you can choose, but he's designing. So he's, he's doing the first sort of, um, example of something where using blockchain, using smart contracts to manage a city economy for the player who's thrown into it. Um, uh, you know, this really ambitious what he's doing. But that's still using the blockchain to, to actually create a realistic economy. Um, that can be stimulus, but once it's controlled by the smart contracts, it's not subject to fiat, um, uh, by, by human intervention. So as an example of the sort of, you know, I think it, it is still about fun. It is about protection and sovereignty of your, of, of, of your account. And it does enable, um, you know, for example, the monetization around the outside of, you know, the consequences of your, of, of your gameplay. Um, but again, that's that's still that game fun community centric thing that it, it's it's where I'm heading towards, and then the sort of blockchain play to earn thing, which is absolutely genuine category um, and has absolutely created a new industry. But <clears throat> again, that is not the mainstream. I don't think people, you know, um, uh, I don't think that's PlayStation games aren't going to be basically you know, all play to earn in the future. The, you know, there's still going to be a, you know, an immersive storyline and actually, you know, and the whole, the whole experience thing. Mm. They're not the same thing. They're, they're related, but they're, they're games, but they're not the same thing. What drew you, what drew, if you look at yourself, say from a third party perspective and yeah. say, okay, this guy, Phil is really into gaming. What was it in your life that you think uh, sparked the interest to pursue gaming and, and really, <sighs> How, where, where do you draw value from it on a interesting on a basis? interestingly enough <laughs> um my uh uh you know the I'm, I'm not originally from the video games industry uh and in fact before this job i wasn't from the crypto industry either i used to be vp of marketing for a travel company <laughs> i used to work in luxury travel were you were you playing games at that oh time? i've been playing games. yes i've been playing i am i am i am, I am a, a a young looking 52 now so i've been playing games since um uh i had my first computer where i got in 1981 it was a level 2 trs80 um uh which had like a, a, a low resolution block graphics and i was playing a defender on that which i would load from a cassette tape yeah. into the machine <clears throat> so yes i've been playing i've been playing games since i uh, so for 40 years 
And I've got so, so let me ask you this. What is it about, what is it about people who, uh, who play games? We'll call it semi-professionally. They're, they're on there every day. They're playing for multiple hours every day. Uh, what is it about these people that draw them to gaming? Is it a just pure love for the imaginative world creation and story? Is it, uh, sort of a, a depressing or, or, demoralizing real world life that they want to kind of escape some escape from some combination of that where they generally skew more technical they're interested in the technicality of the software and the gadgets that are in the game i think all of i'm trying to understand the psychology yeah um now uh yes you're taking me into an area where i i i, I will be um uh, it's not it's not based on uh, uh, academic knowledge or, or study but my i imagine the answer is all of the above um <clears throat> that that's a reason you could ask why are some people drawn to certain genres of games you know there are some people who who only want who primarily play first person shooters um that would include me um uh you know uh, and some and some people who uh you know uh, play puzzle games hyper casual on their phone which i don't um mm. so i think it's it's such a huge and, and obviously as technology improves and te- as technology changes um you know the the ways in which you can be immersed in by the way i apologize for changing light outside <laughs> because it is dark. oh that's fine <laughs> it's their, their sun's out um try and that a little bit <clears throat> um uh, so uh, you know i think different people different people are drawn to different types of games and different types of gaming experiences um uh you know i for example never got into uh like combat games like street fighter um it just yeah. wasn't my thing and we have consoles in the office and i watch people playing street fighter we have, uh, one of our team members bought in their old playstation 3 and so we're playing street fighter on that and i'm just watching the button mashing i'm going that's not me yeah so yeah so some there's probably some combination of randomness you know people just getting into something early and then developing a, a skill set and a passion for well, it most and then maybe some habits personality type. That you, you know the, particularly those of us who you know i think the reason why you know not all people my age are sort of um you know play games uh uh uh, uh the way i do um, I suppose it's a matter of exposure. And of course, our teen brains uh, are very impressionable. It's the same reason, I believe, that we still list, tend to listen to the music we listen to around the ages of 13, 14, and 15, because that's the stuff that's imprinted on our brain. And that's where what we tend to be drawn back to. So I think a lot of early experiences. So had I been in the arcades with friends, uh, you know, when Street Fighter was, when you, was coin operated yeah. maybe that's the route i would have taken but uh it's just it's just wow the light really is changing Hang on. And, and um you, this is kind of what I'm, I'm getting to is is looking forward and saying do you feel intuitively and i know we can't know but with the introduction of facebook's pivot into meta <laughs> there are billions of dollars they're pouring into metaverse uh the existing massive industry of gaming which to me, very clearly represents the metaverse, right? You're in the game. You can look at your hands. Well, ask any, you're, ask you're any there. game developer, you know, wow, virtual worlds. Hang on a minute. We were doing that 25 years ago. Metaverse is just the MMORPG. <laughs> so here's the question for you. Do you feel that meta, meta is going after the existing gamer community or are they seeing a future in which uh, the vast majority or at least a lot more people in society percentage wise are going to be engaging in virtual reality uh, more so because gaming, it, I would imagine that there's a percentage of people in the population that are going to be interested in gaming and it's not likely to take over <coughs> everyone unless we're in the you know matrix style reality. Um, I guess, how do you, how do you, we're, you, long, you we're, we're, we're a long, we're a long way from that. Um, <clears throat> that's another question with a lot to unpack um as to whether as to whether facebook um uh, i i i personally doubt whether facebook or meta um uh uh is going to be sort of the winning um uh player in this space um i think we're at a very interesting you know i will 
Okay, this, I want to come at this from a couple of ways. And the first way is in terms of the companies and who's going to play. And then remind me to come back to the v, about specifically about VR. <clears throat> if we go back, and as I said to you pre-show, I also was part of the dot-com boom based in New York for about three years um, during the, 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 the final height and the fall of, of that particular industry. If, um, you know, if you look at who, uh, first of all, the, how the internet came about, before the internet, people used things like AOL and CompuServe. And I think the metaverse is still one of a really simplistic analogy in the CompuServe AOL stage. We have all these metaverse hits. You know, in other words, we have all these online services. Um, <clears throat> mm -hmm. And I think in terms of how that shakes down, you know, um, into what I think should what I think many of us would hope becomes the metaverse where interoperability simply becomes part of the infrastructure. And I can take my online identity and basically hop from world to world rather than having all these accounts. And therefore, you know, because with the blockchain uh, assumption, they say, Oh, I need to have this token to go in that world. And then you have this token to go in that world. And I need an NFT from these people to go in that world. That isn't, that's, that's the blockchain industry trying to work out how to make money before they build a product by selling tokens and nfts that can't be the long-term way in which the this is the industry goes so whether or not you know if, but if i use search as an analogy when I, when we the dot-com boom was happening google didn't exist it was point it, you know it was lycos alta vista yahoo etc all of whom have now gone and now we have Google and then Microsoft come, comes along with Bing. I think I used Bing once. Um, but you know, the, you know, that's, that's in the same way. I think the presumption that Facebook, which actually, I mean, we got to the point where Facebook is for old people. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, like me, and although I've, ba I've barely posted anything in Facebook for two years and too busy. I've got a job, but, um, you know, I, to assume that Facebook, is going to be the future of the metaverse? Um, who knows? I don't think so. And I think it's very dangerous to presume because I would, we all thought Alta Vista and Lycos were the center of the search universe 20 years ago. And where are they now? So I think it's very dangerous to assume. Plus also, I think um, arguably Facebook, face. Maybe Facebook just has one too many black eyes. Um, mm -hmm. uh, 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 and, uh, you know, and I think a lot of people looked at the, uh, sort of Decentraland, uh, style, uh, uh, Unity, uh, uh, style graphics of that famous video that was put out. And, uh, I, I don't know. I could be wrong. They might get, make all the right decisions. Yeah. Our Facebook account is the way we log into the metaverse, but I don't know. I think it's very dangerous because I, I remember the dot com boom. All the companies that were then, none of them exist now in what I suppose is the state where the unit, the internet is as ubiquitous as it, as, as, as it could become, you know, um, uh, tw 20 years from now, the percentage of the population that is playing more than one hour of virtual gaming per day, is that higher or lower than today? I s probably higher <clears throat> or yeah. has some virtual usage uh, has uses the virtual world in some way. But I think this actually takes me back to the second thing that, that I want to bring up. <clears throat> I personally feel that this sort of, you know, everyone's talking about, well, virtual reality and everyone, of course, <clears throat> the, the mass market is looking at things like uh, a certain Spielberg movie <clears throat> recently, ready player one. <clears throat> and they're sort of imagining that, that that's how the um uh the you know existing in the metaverse will be well that, that side steps if you, the one thing you never you, you whenever it was difficult you never actually saw what the guy was physically doing to compare to so when he's dancing through the air you know notice how they never cut back to the actual real world you know in his treadmill um you know so there's a lot of things that, that we're, we're not there yet but also i also remember 20 years ago when we didn't really have Wi-Fi, that if I wanted to check my email or get online, I had to either go home or go to an internet cafe. And we've now got to a point 20, a generation later where everything is in this tiny little handhold device that I can put in my back pocket. 
suddenly with virtual reality, we're back to appointment. We're back to the appointment system. Oh, I'm going to meet my friends online in the metaverse. I've got to go home because damn i have a pair somewhere i don't know where because my these i've got to wear these big virtual things yeah um or i'll go to a vr cafe or whatever i don't think you know after a generation of getting to this by the way arguably the metaverse is simply any layer in which you can interact with your friends without requiring physical right. presence and if you want to have philosoph philosophical debate um but you know are we suddenly going back to putting these big huge things on our head and that's how we experience no i honestly think ar is 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 much more the you know because you need to be able to take it with you and then for example you could be sitting at a chair and you put your your ar you put the little attachment on you flip it on and you're able to have a sort of ar chat you know with your right. friends without without being able to not see if a bus is about to run you over um so i think I, I, I think there's a lot of presumptions. St it's still, it's so exciting. You know, VR, I do VR chat occasionally. It's fun. It's clunky, <clears throat> but it's fun. <clears throat> I, I play VR games. You know, I have a, an, on a, 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 you know, Facebook got my money. I have an Oculus Quest and I play things like table tennis and stuff and VR for a little bit of fun. Actually, it's a little bit of movement too. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not knocking it. I'm a participant. But it's still so early, and I think we've barely scratched the surface in terms of, yeah. of, 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 how, of how this is actually going to play out. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Do you think the impact of blockchain is underrated or overrated for the sector of gaming? I think it's underestimated. Um, but again, I would say that like any enabling technology and, and, and if the simple fact, <clears throat> I, the, the most the blockchain blockchain itself really is about the immutability of data. Everything else is an application stack on, on top. And the fact that blockchain says I own something and there is no one on earth that can take that away from me, that alone is utterly transformative when applied to any commercial activity from playing games to back finance, whatever. That simple fact that you can't take my shit, <laughs> um, then that is, that, that is transformative. So then you can build all sorts of imaginative uh, um, uh, application stacks on top of that basic premise. But again, I would say, <clears throat> and this, um, you know, I, I'm a big, there's a few people that I, 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 uh, I, I, I take reference. I don't not normally, for example, I'm not someone who would share videos. There's a few, I'm, there's a few people that I take note from of things to say. And one of them is Steve jobs. And I remember this famous video, um, uh, of, uh, 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 he, he was just, I think after he'd taken back over Apple and some engineer was really upset that they canceled one of the program, one of the programs. And he's saying, this was really good technology. And Steve Jobs basically said, well, yes, but we've canceled it because you, you product, you how you created the technology and you turned it into a product, but not once do you say, what custom problem am I solving? You know, um, and the same thing I, I, I'd say with blockchain and the stage we're at. As someone who was in the dot com boom, um, you know, that was all marketing led. And by the time companies had worked out how to productize, they'd spent so much money, they could never earn it back. And so the likes of pets.com and boo.com all went bust. And a couple of people came out winners like Amazon. 
20 years later, I come into the crypto industry and I see exactly the same thing, an industry awash with money, you know, looking for places to invest. But it's a, it's a product-led industry. Um, you know, uh, you can see that the, the marketers, the people that sort of examine customer needs and wants, weren't really involved. Um, the experiences, the way we use, the way we interact with the technology tells you that. <clears throat> um, and I think, you know, it's all about the blockchain. Blockchain comes of age. Blockchain becomes a pervasive, um, basic fr- uh, uh, substructure upon which many things are built when you never actually mention blockchain. You know, it, it, it's right, about right, the, right. A, game, a game is good because it, you know, a game isn't good because it uses blockchain. That's like, you know, a game isn't, that's like saying a game isn't good. A game is beautiful because it uses Unreal and a game may be economically more immersive because it incorporates elements of blockchain technology, but the games are meant to be fun. A TV program is meant to be watchable. A finance, finance is meant to be safe, secure and profitable. Blockchain is an enabling technology and the real breakthrough is when people go back to solving customer problems, not just say, oh, it's blockchain. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And I think the acceleration of blockchain and gaming is going to be similar to crypto related to the comparable option. If these gaming companies are well using played. their well centralization, played. then people will adopt blockchain faster. But if we really trust Activision and they're not losing people's accounts or you know modifying the database then adoption will be slower. I think that's the, tr- the same in countries that have uh, corrupt governments and banking systems. You just see blockchain take off faster because people genuinely want that problem of safety and security solved. Where in the US, very not, not a big deal. Like I'm not worried Chase is ever going to steal my money. Yeah, it could happen. It has happened. I, I don't debate that. But the, the chances that it happens to me i view as very very low compared to other people in other countries it's actually a really good point and you know uh, both in terms of trust and also infrastructure in the same way that for example in many parts of the developing world wireless technology leapfrogged fixed line technology and enabled us to get telecommunications into people much quicker um blockchain does have the potential to really change things for the unbanked because the number of people is a population as a uh, 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 there's what seven something billion people on earth a terrifyingly and, and desperately sad large number of those are you know uh, are unbanked um and yeah. and blockchain has a possibility to bring financial ac- a- uh, access to people and bypass the banks in the same way that wireless bypass bypass fixed so it has the potential to do a lot of good so it's not just about the trust but also about the infrastructure as well yeah. Um, you're in Hong Kong, which I is uh, I, something I, I'd like to touch on for a minute. So you've been there for a while, a couple of decades mm-hmm. plus, And that was very uh, kind Kong- of to soften the blow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I have a good friend who lives in Hong Kong and I have a sense of the size. It's very small. He bikes around the whole island. Bigger than people. Uh, I, well, yes, small from it, uh, you, you know, but bigger than people imagine. Singapore is very, very. How is it? How is it compared to Singapore? It, uh, Singapore, times? Singapore, is it sing, uh, um, no, many, many, many times. Uh, Singapore. Okay. And what, what, what's your? Uh, I want to ask you specifically about life, life there, and the culture there. So the culture there is very international. Like you were saying pre-show, it has the third largest market behind the U.S. and London um, ex- yes. market exchange. What what types of people get attracted to immigrate into Hong Kong, and how is that changing over time? Um, well, Hong Kong uh, is probably uh, I, I'm gonna I'm not going to uh, divert too much into sort of any political commentary or anything, but Hong Kong was <clears throat> Hong Kong's always been a very easy place to uh, uh, for most people move in and out. That's changed a little bit in some areas like journalism, for example. But you know, Hong Kong was always. Hong Kong is still probably one of the easiest places on earth to start a business. The, mm. the burden, the uh, burden uh, of what you need to do to actually say set up in what our case would be a limited company um, in Hong Kong. Um, and you don't even need to be a permanent resident of Hong Kong uh, to, 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 to run a business here. You need 
to be you need to be one or have a visa to earn a living from a business but to run or as an income but to have a business that makes a profit from which you take dividend you don't even have to be a a, a, a a, a Hong Kong permanent resident. So, uh, and, you know, with very low taxes, you know, Hong Kong has a tax rate of uh, uh, 16%. Um, in fact, the income tax, uh, both corporate and personal, the income tax in Hong Kong is such that there's a sliding scale, you know, the more you, uh, you bans, just like anywhere else in the world, or a flat rate, I think, of 15.5%, and you pay whichever is the lower. Um, wow. So... Really? Yeah, so once you get past a certain point, you just play after allowances. So, you know, um, uh, personal allowances and, and things like charity and allowable deductions, like for education expenses or whatever. You know, so Hong Kong has in ex- it, it, the burden of living here in terms of the paperwork you have to fill in is super simple. And the burden of running a business here in terms of the paperwork and the regulatory environment is very, very simple. Um, it has first world infrastructure in terms of the banks. I mean, uh, you know, the, uh, Hong Kong HSBC, which is a very famous world bank, uh, plus standard chartered and bank of China, all three of which make our banknotes. The interesting fact, Hong Kong, the, the government doesn't make the banknotes. Um, the three top actual banks do. And so you can get, uh, Hong banknotes, which are, have the emblems of three different banks on them. interesting fact. Um, so, so it's very, that, does that, does that fact there parlay into a tangible difference in the either the the circulation of money through inflation? No, no, through no, not at all. It's just the, the notes are printed. Uh, uh, the um, the Hong Kong dollars are uh, the notes are printed by the three um, what we call the note issuing banks. But in terms of monetary policy, the Hong Kong Monetary Authority uh, is in charge of that. You know, from, from to uh, the business burden in Hong Kong, it's very very easy to run a company. The reporting requirements are simple. The tax regime is super simple. Um, mm-hmm. Hong Kong also has uh, a single point of reference. So, for example, in Hong Kong, there is no value-added tax or sales tax. There is no t- dividends are not taxed. There's no capital gains tax. Things can only be taxed once. So, for example, if you if you pay if I own a company and I pay myself a salary, um, I may pay myself a salary up to say. A thousand US a month because that's tax free income tax wise. And then I would take the rest as a dividend. Dividends aren't taxed because they're after profits tax. And therefore, because Hong Kong only taxes money once, um, once uh, profits tax has been taken from a company, dividends are tax free. So if I get paid a dividend by any companies I'm invested in, or I take a dividend from a company I own, I pay no tax. I sell, I, there's no capital gains tax. So if I sell such shares or crypto for a profit, I pay no tax on that. Only pay tax on once. Also, Hong Kong's a duty-free port, with the exception of uh, uh, petroleum products, which would include perfumes, etc., um, alcohol, and what's the third one? Tobacco. There is no duty to land stuff in Hong Kong, so I can import. For example, I buy stuff online from like Amazon or Etsy, and it gets shipped from the US. Just comes straight through. No customs considerations at all. We are outside of those three. So, yes, from a um, from a, a burden, a financial burden point of view, um, we have it pretty easy here. So, from that point of view, it is still one of the world's best places to start a business, and one of the primary reasons why I'm still here. Yeah, and are, are there? Have you noticed an increasing number of crypto companies moving there? Well, uh, the I think a lot of people. Yeah, hope no. Well. Um, Hong Kong is absolutely awash with, um, uh, the crypto industry is strong in Hong Kong, really strong. Mm. Um, there is a huge infrastructure growing up here, uh, built, building up here. I think one of the difficulties, um, and there's a lot of VC money here as well. I think one of the difficulties, uh, for us has been because at the moment, Hong Kong's still a little cut off from um the outside world in terms of movement you know if you land in hong kong you've got to do seven days quarantine and can only come out if you test negative we still have those restrictions it is it's it's hard at the moment to bring talent in um and so one of the problems we've had is we've got a bit of we have an immense amount of entrepreneurial activity within the crypto space from finance to blockchain etc to gaming etc but it is a little difficult at the moment. We're, we're operating on a bit of a starved pool of talent. 
and hopefully things will change that we can start attracting talent to Hong Kong um, and start bringing people in again, which, um, you know, uh, 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 the, 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 the Hong Kong government has always been very pro. It's a very important signal for them, for, for them to show the world, notwithstanding all the other things that are sort of going on that you might read about that Hong Kong is still a place to attract international talent. That's one of Hong Kong's primary purposes is to be a place where people can. That's why, for example, in Hong Kong, those of us who are permanent residents, but not Chinese citizens, we can vote in elections, etc. You know, that permanent residency is, 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 it's very different from most countries that require you to become a citizen. The permanent residence. Yeah, it seems like, it seems like there's a strong uh, sense of national pride that they, uh, really, well, yeah. people in Hong Kong feels like it's, it's a country. Uh, now we head into things no. where I'm very, very careful. Um, uh, uh, no, well, Hong Kong isn't a country. Hong Kong is, um, uh, obviously it was a crown colony in, uh, of the United Kingdom until 97. Uh, it was handed back to China. Um, we, you know, you, to, to go from Hong Kong to China, you have to go through Hong Kong immigration and customs and then through Chinese immigration and customs. So whilst this is China, we are in Hong Kong is part of China from a, uh, 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 from a <coughs> practical point of view, it is a, it's its own customs region. It has its own immigration force. It has its own rules. So, you know, for example, uh, you know, an American does not need a visa to enter Hong Kong, but would need a visa to enter China, for example. So it's different. Mm, I see. I see. Uh, I love it. I love hearing about your perspectives. Um, what, what are things that you've soaked in over the years as, uh, as you've accumulated knowledge in the space? Are there particular people that have written that you followed uh, books, articles, tweets, videos, things that you wanted to uh, reference? Okay. Um, well, I'm going to show my age here. I'm a reader rather than a YouTuber. <laughs> um, but if I was, uh, well, do you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, there's, 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 there's some people that, uh, okay. One of, from an academic point of view, there's a couple of names that immediately come to mind. Um, uh, uh, I, uh, from a leadership point of view, I've always, uh, uh, one of my favorite, favorite reads of all time is Good to Great by Jim Collins. Um, I think anyone who has aspirations to, uh, to in a leadership role to, to do that effectively and, and to, to, um, uh, do it the right way. Uh, I would highly recommend that book. Uh, I'm not sure how old that book is now. It's been 10, 15 years. I'm not sure, but good to great by Jim Collins. I've always enjoyed him recently. Um, uh, because I, uh, we've, uh, because I only just recently assumed the CEO position of Leprechaun. I was actually the chief marketing officer before, and then we made a change. And I recently, um, was appointed to the CEO position and I went through this entire, um, uh, process, you know, where, and I was thinking about, purpose and then i suddenly remembered and i went back to someone that i used to read a lot there's a guy called hubert jolie now hubert jolie used to be the uh, ceo of best buy he's the guy who basically turned best buy around hmm. you know after the previous ceo had, was fired after various scandals and hubert jolie who's now a professor at harvard he uh, writes a lot about this concept of finding purpose and I actually went through a sort of finding purpose exercise in the company recently so i was attracted to him I have an old boss of mine, um, uh, uh, just after I came back from the US to Hong Kong, I was actually appointed to as a managing director of Cable and Wireless's Internet Services Division in Asia. And my old boss, a guy called Mark Franciscetti, and just because I've managed to get a shout out for his name, I can send the link to him when this, when this is published. Um, he probably, he was transformative. I think in, he was my first met personal mentor that took me to, um, took me on the leadership path. Um, uh, in terms of modern things, I do like me a little bit of Vaynerchuk. I do, I do, um, I do, uh, 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 I do like the occasion. I think he speaks a lot of sense. Um, uh, but apart from that, you know, I'm not a mad YouTuber or anything. Uh, I think I'm more likely to be watching my addiction on YouTube now, which I'm going to confess is, 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 I don't know how this happened, but I got into reaction videos. I don't know how that happened because they're weird, <laughs> but I just like <laughs> people reacting to other stuff. You know, that's sometimes what I do to switch my brain off. But in terms of those are a few names that come to mind, you know, I've just been through this process of 
of trying to reset, re, 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 reignite passion and, 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 and just tighten the focus of a company. So, you know, a lot of the old names from, from my education days, you know, the porters, et cetera, all those tools that we learned very, very useful to remind yourself of those basic tools to try and unpack problems and find focus. But yeah, those are the first two names that came to mind when you, or first three names that came to mind when you asked that question. Awesome. Well, uh, Phil, congrats on all the progress with Leprechaun. I hope you guys crush it. I, I love what you're working on thank and you. thanks for coming on today. Appreciate it. Um, no, thank you very much. I enjoyed it. I apologize. Next time I'm going to make you get up at six 30 in the morning so I can be more than one coffee in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, my man, take care. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Around the Coin. If you enjoyed the show today, consider giving us a quick review wherever you listen to podcasts, tweet about it, or text it to a friend. We really appreciate all the support and growing that we can. If you have any guests you'd like us to bring on or feedback for us, don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.